Hello, and welcome to Criterion. Close up. Close up. I'm Mark Herney, and I'm here with Aaron West. Hello, Aaron. Hey, player. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm actually driving in a car right now, hearing a pitch. Uh, what do you got? Uh, is it a Range me? Rover? Well, all right. <laughs> 20 words. Let's get a guy that's been on the podcast twice, but it's, okay. been, uh, it's been since last winter. How about that? All right. All right. Uh, it's a, sounds like a good pitch for a podcast. I don't know about a movie, but uh, yeah. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a director. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah, let's let's bring him in. We've got uh, Doug McCambridge. Doug, welcome back to Criterion Close-Up. Thanks for having me back, guys. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that now I'm tied with Keith as the most frequent guest with three, right? Uh, Martin also oh, is three as geez. well, so I think it's a three-way tie. Man. Yeah, it's a three-way. We'll so have to have you back. So if you guys could just have me back in a few weeks, that would be great. Yeah, right. come back Come back next week. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, g- great to have you on from the Good Times, Great Movies podcast. We'll hear more about that in a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. I, w- one thing I wanted to say, Doug, is uh, you know, leave it to you to pick a film from the early 1990s and where Red Engine Red, when the impossible to come by invitation to Criterion Close-Up, called for black and white only, please. So, <laughs> nice work. You know, me and Cher... Yeah, a lot of people have compared our style sensibilities. <laughs> I, I see it. Uh, in, in fact, you you know, listeners can't see Doug, but looks just like Cher. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite, quite. I malicious. have a lot more chest hair though. It's upsetting. <laughs> yeah, but same red dress. <laughs> yeah, it it seemed to make sense. You know, I mean, you guys talk about '80s movies. This is a, a film kind of coming right off the the, the '80s. I mean, it's 1992, mm-hmm. so seems like a perfect uh, pick. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, so first, we wanted to turn it over to you to plug something. You have an announcement to make. Yes. Drum roll, drum project. Roll. First, can I, can I just can I sing your praises? Would you guys mind if I do that to start? We will never stop um, you from singing our because praises. Because myself and Jamie, we started our podcast right around the same time as you guys. We just hit um, a year anniversary last month. And you guys are coming up on a year as well. And... I'm sure you guys have seen podcasts come and go in that time, and and it really is a testament to what you guys are doing. I know a few episodes or ago you guys talked about how when you hit 40, you tend to know what you're doing. Um, I feel that you knew what you were doing a long time before that, but I have seen the podcast grow and develop, so really congratulations to you guys for, for continuing on and just making the progress that you have thank so. you we, we have no idea what we're doing though so you're you're fooled <laughs> i don't think anyone does we're, we're good at we're conning you into thinking right. we... and, <laughs> and the other thing just one more great thing about you guys is since i was on here last time you guys have become part um of the criterion cast family of podcasts. that's right yeah it's been a so while. while while i subscribe to both close-up and criterion cast I'm going to listen to this through Criterion Cast just because it's a weird goal of mine to hear my voice coming out of their logo. So <laughs> that's nice. it. So I'll, I'll be listening to this through <laughs> okay. Criterion Beautiful. Cast. The master feed is actually how I listen to the show often. So uh, oh, okay. a lot of people right. do, actually. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, that podcast app gets pretty bloated. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, just to reach a wider audience. But still, it's so great right. that you guys are sure. part of that. Um, uh, but yes, really appreciate I, that. Thank you, Doug. Oh yeah, no, no problem. 
Um, yes, I am starting a second podcast. Now, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Plaincast, and you can subscribe, but right now it's like me for about six minutes talking about the podcast. That's it. That's smart. But it will roll out on September 1st, and it is about the films released by Plain Archive, which you guys did an episode on 10 episodes ago, something like that, right? Yeah. Sounds um, right. It was a little different one, though. Yeah, we, we, had, a, we had a gentleman from uh, Plain Archive, mm-hmm. but we actually did an email interview, and, and actually, I think it worked. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so t- so it'll, be a, it'll be a monthly podcast. It will go through Plain Archive's releases in spine order. Uh, each episode, I will be joined by a different guest to discuss the film. And Mark, I know that you and I are going to be talking about I Saw the Devil. So get ready. Yes, <laughs> I'm ready. I Aaron, need to revisit that. I, I right. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron, you and I are talking about Zero Dark Thirty. So That's right. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I have a few episodes in the can already. Like I said, I don't want to overwhelm myself. They only have 27 titles right now. So one mm-hmm. a month. That's what I'm sticking with for now. If they start to churn out more releases, I may up it, but no sense in getting ahead of their release schedule. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be great. I I can't uh, wait to listen, can't wait to participate. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a a great, great idea. You know, something that hasn't been covered, uh, you know, in uh, via podcast and is a great label. Uh, We had a really had a good time talking about them and it was a good excuse to kind of delve into it and buy something. And the timing Mm -hmm. was good, you know, with Mm -hmm. your releasing this podcast. So, yeah, well, I I remember I heard about them on off the shelf and it was maybe a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And the moment I went to their site, you know, by trade, I'm a graphic designer and, you know, Criterion's dual format, like persona and oh i just mm. i love those cardboard boxes and mm. i know that They're you know bad. that's I that's a too. sense of contention sometimes um but i love that so plain archive right up my alley so everyone should subscribe to plain cast immediately <laughs> yes we'll do and we'll put a link in the show notes so people wonderful can find it uh, from here so uh, and uh yeah well we'll record soon ish right <laughs> yeah yeah whenever you want Right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Two dual podcast. Let's pause this one That's there. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that'll be fine. Can't wait to to listen. Uh, you do a great job with uh, that. Good time is great movies, so we, we know that uh, playing yeah, cast well, will be great. Doug can, can cast, yes. Uh, that'll be fun. Nice. <laughs> and so. still, with doing two podcasts, I'm still not releasing as many episodes as you guys are. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, you guys are doing this every week. I, you know, I talked about doing this for a year. I, I don't, I don't know how you guys do it every week. Good well, for we, you. We scaled back. We, we do three, three a month now. So okay. One, All right. One week it, off. But. Still a lot, but uh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's still a lot. We, we enjoy it. We, we, we like talking. So we did two one month, and uh, people were uh, screaming at us, saying, "What, what happened, to you guys?" <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. I, I where totally you, missed that. Then. Where'd you go? Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Nice. So uh, w- we wanted to thank our uh, last guest on our last episode, episode 42. Of course, we're on 43 here. Ben Modell, uh, the silent film accompanist, also historian, uh, archivist. I uh, had a really good discussion with uh, Ben and uh, wanted to, again, thank Ben for coming on. Hope folks have uh, checked that out. Yes, accompanist. <laughs> I learned uh, that word, how to pronounce it. <laughs> it's a um, tough one. <laughs> the great thing about Ben and is he 
created that uh, intro and outro music, and we forgot to mention it, uh, but he he recorded that directly for the show, which yeah. I thought was uh, was awesome. Uh, and it's 30, 40 seconds each, but uh, it was perfect, and, and it really um, hmm. added to the flavor of the show. Yeah, and Ben so Modell uh, original. I love it. Yeah, and so I, we have, a, supposedly we have a director coming on. He's making a film right now. So I, I want him to direct a movie for us. Think, think we can get him to do that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we've got enough clout for that. Uh, sure. Definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll call up uh, Griffin Mills. See what he can do for us. Is is this a biopic? Is it just you guys sitting in chairs in front of microphones? Is that <laughs> oh, it's it'll be a crappy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do it as a short five minutes is all we'd need. Yeah, but it'll have a happy ending. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> It's all you need, and nudity. So a little That's bit of right. sex too, you know. <laughs> oh, although it's just going to be me and Mark. Huh? Yeah, never mind. Uh, no, we'll skip the we'll, we'll we'll skip the sex. It'll just be implied, right? We'll just wear prosthetics and. Uh... <laughs> oh, nice. So, smash, to, smash cut to you guys smoking cigarettes. Is that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Perfect. Scenes from a marriage, a podcast marriage. <laughs> So we wanted to uh, also plug uh, – there's a new uh, – well, you talked about it, Doug, the Criterion Cast, and there's a new podcast on the Criterion Cast feed, brand-new podcast uh, being released and also within that feed with our friend Keith Enright, who you uh, referenced. He's uh, We follow him and interact with him on uh, the Criterion Completion as a Facebook group that he uh, will talk about on the podcast, and he has now released his own podcast. He's got his own website and, uh, yeah, it's great to hear him uh, talk about it. So we just wanted to give him a plug, and we'll uh, obviously link to that. Did a great inaugural uh, episode. I think he really covered the gamut of, um, you know, it's a really well-produced show. Kudos to mm-hmm. him on that. And uh, he also he talked about different levels of criterion completion. And I, I think it, uh, you know, we had an episode with Keith, one of our early episodes about completing uh, or about collecting. And I think it, you know, kind of tickles that uh itch a bit you know where even if you weren't collecting criterion you could uh uh, understand what he's talking about uh, on the collecting side so he did a great job also talked to um, interviewed ryan gallagher um the Mm -hmm. uh from criterion cast of course the the head honcho over there so a really good episode yeah great episode and uh and yeah of course as, as doug mentioned he's our Tied for the lead now um, with, right. with Doug, uh, and might surpass him sometime. Who knows? But uh, uh, yeah, there's actually you know he he collects laser discs too, and so there's a little connection with me in this episode. Uh, I actually watched the player on laserdisc in the '90s. My my Ooh, you know I, I'd never nice. never seen it. It was a, a blind watch because my parents bought the Criterion. I, I don't early '90s. I don't know remember when. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it in the theaters, so I I, I watched that uh, ad nauseum uh, several times, and I I even watched the features. In fact, I even wrote down what the features are. <laughs> <laughs> wow, was that was that like your first time delving into sup, uh, special features? Do you think, Aaron? I don't remember, but it hmm. was one of them. Uh, yeah, if, if not the first. Uh, yeah, there was so many, and uh, you know, parents kept on buying laser discs, and I watched right. all of them. So. Such a new thing back then too. I, I I had a laserdisc player, but I didn't. I don't remember getting into the supplements much. I I only had a few discs, and I don't think I had any Criterion. I was missing out. Yeah, they they bought uh, probably about half of theirs were Criterion, but uh, but then that all everything was new. You know, commentaries and stuff we, that hadn't been on. You, you couldn't do that on VHS. So right. Nice. So this is yeah. probably the first time I've listened to two of the same commentaries uh, in 
you know, two two or three decades apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Nice. Yeah, so congratulations, Keith, and uh, nice work. Uh, really uh, glad to have another podcast in the family. It's some really good good stuff there. It's a good thing. Yeah, his, his podcast is really great. Uh, it, it surpassed my expectations. And like you said, the production values of it seemed off the charts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, he, if he doesn't want to continue, he should just start producing podcasts. Be a I, I, right. I would right. hire him in a heartbeat. So mm-hmm. it, yep. it was it was a really, really enjoyable show. So definitely nice. good job keith yeah. yeah nice work so lastly before we uh, just this timing thing here before we get into robert altman's the player uh, the main reason why we're here uh, we have the barnes and noble sale uh in july of course as folks may or may not know criterion collection releases are 50 percent off their msrp in july and november typically at barnes and noble so you can get them at you know blue regular blu-rays about 20 bucks dvds 15 or 20 bucks depending on the msrp so um and i've been down a rabbit hole a, a number of times with these sales with uh trying to save some money and, uh, you know, these movies aren't particularly cheap. And, uh, you know, we don't want to cheapen what you get for your money uh, with a Criterion Connection, uh, Collection release. But, um, you know, if you are interested in, in saving a little money, thought we'd kind of talk about that a little bit. It interests me because uh, my Barnes, well, we only have one Barnes Noble left in our city. We used to have about five, but, you know, mm. that's the nature of the... Uh, Sign the, of the times, yeah. It is. And, and in fact, they're not doing so hot. So I, I, no. I worry uh, if hopefully they make it, but if not, you know, if... Criterion might have to partner with uh, somebody else or maybe do it themselves. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but m- so the one left doesn't have media or any you know, music or movies. So I, I've, it's a bummer. I'm a member, oh, wow. but so but I, I've not, not been able to take advantage of the in-store purchases like you do. But mm-hmm. Mark, I, I know that you're able to order them to ship in-store. I mean, does that is that actually feasible? Yeah, I think that'll work. You'd have to uh, check with your barn, your local Barnes and Noble. But the thing with you know the membership, it really gets you three things. It gets you free shipping on BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, it's twenty five dollars a year, but uh, you know if you buy enough there, you can certainly make it worthwhile. And in store, you save an extra ten percent on your purchases. So mm-hmm. there's that piece of it. And they'll also uh, mail you coupons here and there. I almost always get one, uh, two 20% off coupons that coincide with the sale. And uh, if you if you sign up on their website, if you're a member, uh, you can sign up for email alerts to get um, coupons. And I highly recommend it. You'll get a 20% off if you're a member. If you're not a member, you still get a 15% off that you can use online or in the store. So And so the thing there is, uh, the big deal is that extra 10%, especially if you're buying a lot of movies, you can go into the store and uh, you just have to do it you know, at the, the counter there. Ask them to do ship to store. Usually arrives within a week or less. And then you can go in and uh, pick it up. Uh, you know, just have to go back to the store and pick it up. So I um, see. So you, ha- yeah. you, can't, you can't select it at the website and ship to the right. store. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, all right. Yeah. Well, yep. So it's two, two trips to the store. And the other question would be, because your store doesn't carry media, will they do it for you? My guess is they will, because a lot of times those no media stores, they will still have just like maybe one or two uh, movies like behind them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I bet you could still do it. But you know, it, it depends on, I mean, if you're going to do a big order, it might be worth it because you'd save, you know, 10% on whatever that uh, that is. So. I wonder if I can go there for the first one and then pre-order all the July titles there and yep. say, hey, hey, deliver all these to the store. If yep. not, 
not worth it. <laughs> yep, exactly. You know, if you were someone, I, something I had done was I was trying to catch up with uh, the November sale actually has bigger coupons, typically like 30%. Right. So I was doing the Eclipse series. I uh, had a bunch of those shipped to store, so I saved, you know, the extra 10% of those. So, you know, you just kind of got to mm-hmm. plan it out uh, correctly. And again, it's up to, uh, I, you know, I, I know Ryan's talked about this some. There's people out there that will uh, just go crazy with the coupons and just oh, do yeah. the math, you know, to the mm-hmm. to the, the penny. And it's, you know, it takes a little bit of work, but, um, you know, it might be worth, uh, again, if you want to save a little cash and pick up some movies. Um, so, you know, some other ways to do this, like there was the June sale. Um, their uh, discs were 40% off. They had that 30% off if you ordered $150 or more uh, online. You know, so I, I used that. Um, yeah. There's also the uh, there's a Barnes and Noble credit card that's a Mastercard that you know if you're um, responsible with your credit card purchases that gets you five percent off the top on every <laughs> purchase. So you know in store ten percent, five percent. I I, I so. do have a, that Mastercard and and that does help. It's it's five percent off the the balance actually, so you don't actually yep. see the savings at the counter or at the right. The, the checkout but uh yeah it makes a difference yeah yeah Yeah. it's another savings you can also buy uh i've done this i just did this recently you can buy gift cards on ebay or cardpool.com you can get them at you know 10 15 20 percent off so again you know right off the top you're saving a little bit of money so you know it just takes a little planning and uh you can go in there and save some cash on uh you know these these discs yeah also uh blu-ray.com tends to have a, a barnes and noble sale thread and if you keep up with that, a lot of times they will post coupon codes uh, and uh, or you know, little tricks. Some of those people they'll like bring six coupons into the uh, the right. store, and I, I feel for that cashier that's got to uh, either handle them or say no. God forbid, right. they've got to do one or the other. Yep. Can I speak yeah. to your manager? <laughs> it, all, it all depends on who you get. It, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. I I think I, I've done that before. I've tried to kind of pull back on that a bit. It's yeah, it's a bit much. I think I'll yeah. chill on that. I, I want them to stay in business, and but not that right. not that my my five extra coupons are going to make make that difference. But right. Well, and, and there's the question of you know uh, criteria and getting their their payment too. And I, I think really what all, all your your what you're cutting into there is the Barnes and Noble, um, you know their profits. But you know, like you said, it's on for them. We we don't know if they're going to how much longer they're going to be around. Yeah, what profits? Mm-hmm. That's uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. did you guys get anything from the the June sale? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I am because of the June sale and the forty percent and then the thirty percent and the free shipping. I am now, and I shouldn't say Blu-ray complete because there's what five out of print titles that I don't have. Mm. Mm-hmm. Two of them, I am in no hurry to shell out money for the third man. And Chungking Express, but hmm. I'm blue complete because of that. So the 50% sale is just me continuing to be blue complete. Yeah, That's what that sale is going to be for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's a good Same. time to pick up, uh, you know, all yep. the all the July releases. And, yeah. yeah, and we should uh, mention that uh, we know the sale is going to go from July at the fifth, which is right after this mm-hmm. episode's coming out, until uh, August first. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, and that'll be through the New World. Uh, that means you can get the New World, you know, relatively cheap. That that has a higher MSRP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I I got uh, that that June sale was terrific. I wish we had advance notice to notify people. Um, but yeah. I, I guess we did, we did on Facebook. 
but it was fifty or forty percent off the list prices, and then there was a coupon. Uh, it was based on the money you spent. Mm-hmm. So if you spent up up to one hundred fifty dollars, it was thirty uh, percent, as Mark said, responsibly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I I got th- three DVD box sets that I didn't have. I got the Paul Robeson. I got the, um, the Antoine Duanel. And I got uh, the Agnes Varda. So I, I'm almost uh, DVD box set complete, believe it or not. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. the, the ones in print. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to grab a few of those during the next uh, flash sale. I think probably October. That's when the last one was for Criterion.com. But yeah. I did buy, uh, actually just got La Chienne uh, because I, I know my co-host would, you know, beat me if I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He's not violent. But. Uh, yeah, and I, I did grab a few DVDs. I got like uh, uh, White Dog. I actually picked up the Beastie Boys anthology. Just some nice. ones that you know, I I don't know if they're ever going to be upgraded, and if they are. I'll just I can sell the DVD and get the Blu-ray later. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, and I, I did get. Uh, I picked up a few for the uh, our series upcoming. Uh, some of the uh, Rene Claire that are in the collection. So looking forward to checking those out. Yeah, me too. I got a. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the Duvivier uh, Pepe Lamoco in uh, July, so that'll nice. And and the Renee Claires. Nice. Yep. I dig Sounds grab. like a donut shop. It does. <laughs> I'm getting hungry. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's a Barnes and Noble sale. You know, I, the other thing I'll just mention: if anyone has questions about it, you know, feel free to uh, tweet us, uh, email feedback at criterionclosup.com. Happy to answer questions questions always come up around these sales uh, we see mm-hmm. comments on facebook and mm-hmm. that kind of thing so happy to help uh, just love your your listening definitely so, yep yeah. well let's take a break and uh, we'll come back with uh, we're going to talk about robert altman's the player pictures they make these days are all mtv cut 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 the opening shot of uh, wells's touch of evil was six and a half minutes long six and a half minutes long. Well, three or four anyway he set up the whole picture with that one tracking shot my father was uh, key grip on that shoot. Hey, what about absolute beginners, man? That was an extraordinary shot. What the hell was that? I've never heard of it. It's Julian Temple. Ooh. It's an English We're in English. We're talking about American Hi. movies. Welcome back to Criterion Close-Up. I'm here with... I'm Mark Herney, and I'm here with Aaron West and Doug McCambridge, uh, and we are talking about Robert Altman's The Player, recently released from uh, the Criterion Collection. And guys, I just want to ask, can we talk about something other than Hollywood for a change? We're educated people. <laughs> Little line from uh, the the film The Player, of course. That's uh, uh, oh, We were all supposed to pause in awkward silence <laughs> that's there. Right. But, uh, that's right. That doesn't work for a podcast too well. <laughs> and start you could just dump in that silence later, right? That's, that's yeah. the way it works. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll, that'll work. Good idea. I'll, I'll pull a, that silence clip from the DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, The Player. Uh, this is a, a later Robert Altman film, spine number eight, uh, 812 in the collection, coming back from... The Laserdisc Days, from a film from 1992, a couple hours long, uh, seen as maybe Altman's comeback. We can talk about that in a little bit, uh, maybe what his thoughts are. But um, no, the film is uh, it's about a Hollywood studio executive uh, with a shaky moral compass. Uh, Tim Robbins is the char- plays a Griffin Mill, who uh, actually said the quote that I said earlier. And uh, there's a bit of a criminal situation, and um, it's a, 
biting satire of the uh, the Hollywood industry from Mr. Altman, and he talks about that a lot in the the commentary and some of the the supplements, I think. So, and we, we get a bit of uh, elements of film noir, and we also get some insider comedy in here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, gigantic cast. I mean, there is so, <laughs> yes. so many people, jumbo cast. So many recognizable faces. So, and you know, you've got, um, of course, Tim Robbins, Peter Gallagher, Whoopi Goldberg, Greta, uh, Greta Scacchi, I believe it is, Dean Stockwell, and a great performance, probably my favorite, uh, Fred Ward. So, yeah, it's Richard another. Richard Grant. Yeah. From, um, and Grant, of course, folks would know from uh, With, With Noel. And yeah. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina Gershon, even the small actors are, are big. Uh, uh, Peter Gallagher, yeah. Yeah, typical large ensemble. I want and more I, Lyle Lovett in movies. I got to tell you. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, one of us. <laughs> uh, who else? Oh, geez, Vincent D'Onofrio. I'm looking at the cast now. Yeah. Oh, Sidney yeah. Pollock's in there. I mean, a, a little um, – oh, there's a there's a little number from uh, – a little musical number in there from uh, – oh, I can't think of his name now. It'll come back to me. Robert Carradine, Gary Busey. It's so many. It's its really well, too the, many to The cameos, to too, yeah. yeah. Harry Belafonte's in there. Gary Busey's mullet. Did you guys yes. notice that thing? <laughs> right. That was out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Nick Nolte's mullet as well. That's and, right. Um, yep. And Cher's yeah. dress, as we, we mentioned before. And Cher's mm-hmm. dress, yes. Uh, so, playing some, itself. Some people from the you know the back of their, their heads, even. Um, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. he, he just kind of he asked people... He didn't pay these people. So a lot of the people I understand actually paid him to be on the set. And but he he said, hey, you know, we, we might get you, we might not, we might get your profile, we might get mm-hmm. the back of your head. You know, who knows? But you'll you'll uh, just come and we'll we'll make a movie. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into the the film itself, I think we'll talk a little bit about Robert Robert Altman's career. Uh, he is, I'm more of a 70s Altman guy. I've seen some of his uh, 70s films like Nashville and Three Women and uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, um, even MASH. Are, it's kind of my uh, intro to Altman. So this was newer for me, and we wanted to talk about his career, uh, his later career in the 80s and 90s a bit. Um, so there are some that are uh, in the collection. We've got uh, Secret Honor and Tanner 88 from the 80s, and we've got uh, this actually the player came before uh, shortcuts which was in 1993 so yeah wanted to turn it to you to uh, talk about his later career a little bit Aaron. sure well i uh, as you mentioned he was uh, uh very successful had a nice stretch in the 70s and then somewhat the late 60s and uh i think his that was definitely his peak you know you had nashville mccabe mrs miller the long goodbye uh three women uh, a few of those are on criterion actually uh, mccabe is coming out pretty soon and then uh the you know studios took notice and they said hey why don't you take on popeye <laughs> uh, i don't know if you guys have seen popeye but uh, i have i have too i mean i haven't seen it since i was a kid and i didn't hate it when i was a eight-year-old hmm. <laughs> well that's the problem I, it, it was made for eight-year-olds uh, and nobody else actually i saw it when i was a kid as well uh and i i enjoyed it but having seen and that, so that i guess te- technically it was my first altman um unfortunately not my last but having seen all his others i mean it really d- was not a 
the project wasn't a good fit for Altman. Altman wasn't a good fit for the project. Oh, no. It did terribly. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have box office figures, but uh, it was a critical, uh, not, not a success failure. And so he kind of lost his luster. I, I, of course, as you, uh, um, as you alluded to, Mark, he didn't, he didn't really go away. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't call it a comeback. He did work, but he really worked outside of the system. And, I, and actually, I think the, some of the, uh, the, the his feelings towards the studio and that we see in the play are probably developed during the '80s because he was basically given uh, the shaft from him. But yeah, he did make Secret Honor, which is really a one-man play. Uh, and then Fool for Love with uh, Sam Shepard was a good movie, but an indie movie. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Tanner 88, political satire. Uh, I think it's excellent. Uh, he did Vincent and Teo, which was uh, good. Um, but yeah, he didn't work as much. And and yeah, his, his projects didn't have the same panache. So the player... A lot of people see it as a return to form, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I think it does capture it and shortcuts capture his '70s vibe a little more. You get the the big ensemble, the overlapping dialogue, which were staples of him. His uh, and then then he decided to make some crappy movies in the '90s, um, <laughs> which we won't go into. They won't become a criterion. And then his career's been kind of a mixed bag ever since. Some decent ones, uh, Gosford Park Company. Uh, and that, but he did Ready to Wear, uh, Cookie's Fortune, Doctor T and the Women, which were crap. So, but overall, I mean, there's no doubting he's a titan as far as uh, he's definitely an auteur, a very, uh, very successful and uh, influential director. Yeah, for sure. His his legacy is cemented, uh, even if you just took his you know his '80s work. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, he made a. He, you know, he he doesn't want to. I know he was asked this really um, in the the can interview, and has been asked before if it is a comeback. And he said, no. You know, if you want to put it that way, I've I've made uh, four comebacks. But yeah, I think it's uh, just it, nice to see him in this realm. It, it certainly is a, uh, a an Altman film. Uh, again, comes from 1992, and uh, you know, with, like you said, with the overlapping dialogue, it just seem it feels like a, a strange. Noir, and um, the more you are kind of removed from it, I, I think you kind of see what he was he was going for the yeah. the layers upon layers upon layers uh, in this film in in uh, particular. And I think I think when you have a director that's made what twenty five thirty films, they're Sounds they're right. not all going to be home runs. There's no way sure. you can't find a director out there that that did, that did that. Um, but he has way more hits than misses. Oh, sure. And yeah. Aaron, I will defend Dr. T and the Women. I enjoy that movie. I know, yeah. I, <laughs> I know I'm in the minority there, but I really do. Um, some of his later work, like, I mean, Gosford Park is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Prairie Home Companion. I thought yeah, that was of, a lot really of defenders good movie. of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and the player, um, you know, we talk about Popeye. I saw it when I was a kid. I, I think the player, other than Popeye, was the first Altman film that I had seen. Mm. Um, so it was really my introduction to Altman. And not necessarily it was the movie that got me interested in him as a director. But once I watched Three Women and Nashville and Shortcuts, I kind of went, oh, oh, that guy <laughs> made these. So it, right. it, yeah. it was interesting to revisit this film, having not seen it since it probably first came on HBO. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, the player is kind of known as the film. If people don't know Robert Altman. Uh, they this might actually be the film that they know. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they may not be familiar with his '70s work, but you mentioned the player, and uh, you know, it, I think the first copy I bought of it was a Blu-ray set with. I think it had L.A. Confidential, uh, Body Heat, and this in it. So I remember know, seeing that in stores. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's in the yeah, consciousness. Aside from some of his uh, his Hollywood stuff later, you, you might even say it's his most accessible accessible, uh, at least compared oh, to his seventies. Yeah. Even though you know you, you had Mash, and of course people know Mash because of the TV show, mm-hmm. and uh, it, and yeah, I'd say that uh, the Long Goodbye is pretty accessible. But this one, uh, there's a lot more humor in it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it, you know really as long as you know about movies, you uh, or are curious about movies, you can uh, engage with it. Right. Plus the you know all the all the recognizable faces you know that's probably mm-hmm. uh, entertaining for folks in and of itself. Yeah, if you like uh, entertainment tonight and uh, <laughs> and film, then there you go. Yeah, if you're a big yeah. Lisa Gibbons fan, sure. <laughs> I'm a Lisa Gibbons uh, completionist. I'm about you. <laughs> <laughs> so you have RoboCop in your collection. <laughs> that's she it, was yes. the I think she was the newscaster in that, right? Is that right? Actually, I have sure. not. <laughs> I think she is all right. All right. Well, there's there's some random <laughs> trivia. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I think. Well, you guys mentioned the line. I think of Altman. Um, he, he did. He, he's referenced uh, some of the titans of, uh, as David Blake's will call them, of cra- the Criterion Collection with Kurosawa and Fellini and Bergman. And you know, he's heavily influenced by those guys. And uh, yeah, I think you can you can see it. I mean, he's a certainly someone who champions smaller films. Um, this this project really wasn't made for him. It just kind of fell into his lap, and he made it an Altman film, mm-hmm. uh, and the player. So, yeah, he wanted to do shortcuts, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this project's success got him to shortcuts. Uh, Lisa Gibbons was actually in the Last Action Hero, RoboCop Two. She's <laughs> <laughs> she's your go-to celebrity uh, host right. uh, character. Nice. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I mean, any, any other thoughts on on Altman? I'll just throw out there that I, I he's one of the things with Altman. I think he he kind of he mentioned this where the audience senses something uh, rather than knows something um, when you're watching an Altman film, and I kind of feel that with his films. I feel that with a lot of films, like you know, something's going on. Um, mm-hmm. You're not sure quite what it is, or even you're enjoying a film and you're not quite sure why. So he's not just interested in like telling a story, but you know, there's what's going on subliminally. Uh, there's uh, another tough word. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those layers upon layers that you know he kind of puts forth. I, I think it just makes his films uh, richer, uh, especially with something like this to kind of consider that. Um, you know, we mentioned all the overlapping dialogue and characters, and uh, you know, he he certainly has something to say um you know in in his films we'll, we'll talk in a, a bit about the the hollywood pieces mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah I, th- I think he uh I, I think he definitely makes the films he wants to make mm-hmm. he's not re- he's not really uh he doesn't probably doesn't compromise a whole lot uh, and i think because of his run in the 70s he he has that credibility uh you know the 80s notwithstanding uh, that he mostly was able to get away with it um and and I, I'd say there's an edge to him, and, and some of that comes out in that Can press conference, but yeah. uh, it definitely mm-hmm. comes out in his films, and this one in shortcuts, I'd say as well. Yeah, uh, edge is a good word. Yeah, yeah a little bit I, of a perv too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I would say that he'll probably be, let's say, thirty, forty, fifty years from now, he will be known as the ensemble director. I mean, mm-hmm. oh you, yeah, you know, yep. Nashville 
and shortcuts and, of course, the player and Gosford Park. But I, I would really just advise people or suggest that people look at films like Three Women and McCabe mm-hmm. and Mrs. Miller, which I, I think are probably two of his best or, or two of his favorites. Um but it's a great filmmaker. And if that's all he's known for as an ensemble director and a great one, <laughs> I think he'd be okay with that too. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he's already known for that. I'd also yeah. throw a wedding in there that a lot of people haven't mm-hmm. seen. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun and yeah. a little underrated. But, yeah, great work. Yeah, Three Women's a bit of an oddity too because oh, yeah. it's um, you know it's it's his. It really feels like the most maybe of anything that I can think of as his work. I mean, it's it was a dream mm-hmm. of his. I understand, and it really is. Instead of being so ensemble, it's kind of focused more on those two characters, which is a you know a, yeah, a it's like persona. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I think I think it's my favorite. Although persona is my favorite. Bergman film, and I can watch. Go. I can watch Mulholland Drive all day long. I have a type of go. film, guys. That's, that's <laughs> what films I'm saying. About films there, yeah. See that? Yeah, shifting personalities. Yep. So we'd be remiss if we talked about the player without talking about the opening shot. Uh, it's uh, you know people have called it. Uh, well, I don't know. If people have called it. I mean, maybe people think of it as showy. Whenever you mention the player, uh, that seems to be the first thing that people talk about. So I'm just curious what you guys think of it. I mean, it's about uh, it's almost eight and a half minutes long. Uh, sets up the film, and it is a, a single take um, that my understand really only took them about a day and a half to shoot, uh, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they had uh, ten plus takes in there too. So yeah, any, fourteen. Um, 14. And they printed five. <laughs> so that's, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'd be curious something. to see, it'd be nice to see a supplement of some of the other uh, takes. But uh, oh, yeah. any thoughts Any thoughts on the opening uh, shot, Doug? Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. and But I do agree that it's, it's showy, but I think that's the point of it. It's showy to be showy. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a movie about a movie but you are you are made aware instantly that this is a movie like and it's shot like none of the none of the rest of the film is shot it really is to call attention to itself but i think that was his intention i think it does it well i think it's unique i think it's interesting um it brings you into the film rather than take you out i think if you know, a shot like this suddenly popped up at the one hour, 10 minute mark. It would be the strangest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen in my life. Right. But it was a wonderful introduction to all the players, mm-hmm. all the characters, nice. the the different storylines. I, I think it's a great shot. It's showy, but that's intentional. Yeah, yeah and it, it really, uh, technically, it's magnificent. You know, the way it mm-hmm. zooms into the, the movie sign, uh, the, the sign on the building, uh, zooms into the postcard, uh, zooms into his office and, and photographs from outside. Uh, but but I, I like that it establishes the playfulness uh, in the, uh, the player. Uh, it, it talk, and, and the self-referentiality, is that a word? But it sure. talks about other films. I love how it brings up Touch of Evil and Rope yeah. as uh, tracking shots, so that you have these two characters, uh, Fred Ward and the mailman guy, uh, the mail guy, talking about long shots and uh, in other movies and and paying respect to them in in a long shot. Mm-hmm. And then, but then there's also the classic versus modern crap Hollywood, which I think we could safely say that Altman would uh, would conclude. And they reference some modern movies too. I, I remember one I haven't seen was Sheltering Sky. Yeah, they they're like, what what about the shot in that right. one with Deborah right. Winger? And, and the guy's like, haven't seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I looked it up, and you know it's 
maybe has a five or six on IMDb, and it's not remembered like uh, this, or definitely not like Touch of Evil. Uh, and then there's also reference to The Graduate, Graduate 2. Yeah. Oh, I so want to see that movie. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's with, with a stroke, and it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and all those uh, pitches, from what I understand, I mean, they may have been different with every take. You know, they probably right. didn't say the same thing. They were, I mean, he's Altman's such a improvisational guy that um, he just puts a lot on the uh, the actors to uh, bring it. And I, that's the one thing I, I do like about the shot too is, you know, like you said, Doug, it is showy, but it also mm -hmm. establishes these characters. I mm -hmm. love how it starts so small where it's on that picture, mm -hmm. you know, on the wall in the studio. And then, you know, as it pulls back, it's still small in the studio. And then it just opens up into all these characters mm -hmm. and you get to know these people, yeah. um, you know, who are going to be part of this film within that, uh, that eight minute shot, you know, like, and also uh, I, I, yeah. I feel that it, it gives you a sense of geography too because 50% yeah, of the movie sure. takes place on that lot and you start to get a sense of where everyone's offices Space, are in relation to sure. everyone else. I, I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. And of course, Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis are, are in each in every pitch and so that's you know establishes that right away. They are right. the it, it stars and that's what everybody wants and a happy ending mm -hmm. and, and heart. <laughs> yeah. Problem is I can only say yes, my studio can only say yes 12 times a year. And collectively, we hear about 50,000 stories a year. So it's hard. And I guess sometimes I'm not nice and make enemies. And that's what I was to David, enemy. Was his story one of the 12? No, it wasn't. Why? It lacks certain elements that we need to market a film successfully. What elements? Suspense, laughter, violence, hope, heart, nudity, sex, happy endings. Mainly happy endings. You had the you had the Japanese companies there who were uh, you know buying buying up a lot of the studios like Columbia, TriStar, mm -hmm. Universal. You know at the time, so about a, a third of the studios were um, you know owned by Japanese companies. And of course, you have the tour with the you know the uh, the Japanese folks uh, in in the uh, the lot. So you know just kind of again establishing this world uh, in mm -hmm. that you know eight and a half minute shot and you know plenty of dialogue but you know there's no voiceover you're just introduced mm -hmm. to these people mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm pro uh eight minute shot no oh, yeah pro long take i think it's it, sure it's it's self-indulgent but that's okay i, I like altman being self-indulgent that's what he that's what he does best so mm -hmm. yeah agreed so eight and a half minutes uh any any thoughts on i mean the film itself i'd mentioned it before we wanted to talk about you know what's the film really saying uh about hollywood uh, Altman's take on Hollywood and just the the self uh, reflexivity of the film. I, I mentioned before, just layers upon layers upon layers, and you know you could really, I think you could deconstruct many of the scenes. Uh, it's interesting how the scenes are. I, I think for the most part they're improvised. You know, some of the dialogue uh, does come from the book that they do allude to, but um, you know there there are comments being made uh, by the. Uh, 
um, the characters like you know the the writer the Vincent D'Onofrio character you know mm-hmm. where he says well I'm I'm a writer you know I can write what can you do you know basically if he loses his job mm-hmm. so it's really commenting a lot on uh, Hollywood but you know films uh, themselves so what do you guys think about that aspect of it well I'll, I'll say that the term self-reflexive if people don't know it it, it means it's uh, about it's when they shine a spotlight on the filmmaking process. Uh, so it's basically films about filmmaking. And I, I think it's, you know, it stands up with, uh, with the, the best of those. You can think of uh, Mulholland Drive. Uh, you can, uh, there's, of course, uh, we've talked about Day for Night, which is more of a, a celebration of film. Uh, this, this one, I think, is more of an indictment. And there's other ones. There's, uh, you know, A Star is Born. There's, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank on the one I was thinking of, but, uh, but no, I, I think he uses the uh, uses the film to tell the story of what he thinks about film, uh, what he thinks sure. about the Hollywood system, and and maybe it, the the changes in the system. If you think about it, when he came up was before Jaws, and then he struggled in the '80s when Star Wars, E.T. Uh, when you know they were box office successes. Happy, well, even though E.T. is mentioned in the film. Uh, but uh, he's not a fan of the formula, and I, I think he's uh, I think he's basically giving a fuck you to Hollywood. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that. it's it's oddly cynical in the most lightweight way possible because he has fun with the idea. I think yes. you're right. If you you can deconstruct this and you can say it is a just scathing indictment of Hollywood. But I think you have to dig really deep to see that. I think for the most part, it's fun and we can get it. And and of course, when you when you talk about the ending and how the film within mm-hmm. the film is finally edited and, and the ending, how it's completely changed, um, that's enough to drive people crazy. But also it's something to laugh at and to say, yes, of course, this is exactly mm-hmm. what it is. This is exactly what it's like. This would make money. Of course this is going to make money and the other one probably wouldn't. So I, I think he's right. having fun with yeah. it. He's not directly attacking anyone in particular. He's not mean about it, but it's saying what he wants the film to say. Yeah. yeah, I think it it's a little attacking uh, the studios. I, I think mm-hmm. tweak, tweaking, and I, and I think, but of course they well they don't they don't have a lot of studio figures in there. They have a lot of actors probably right. who share uh, Altman's opinions. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think they, they let Hollywood in on the joke, but the mm-hmm. joke's on Hollywood. And did, uh, did anyone else think that's that it was a bit weird? I don't I don't want to go off on a tangent here. That it it was really attacking producers and inside Hollywood, this film was so nice to the actors. I mean, there was yes. there mm-hmm. was nothing really mean about the actors and, and it didn't seem like they were these over-important <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like, that's the one thing that by the end I hadn't thought about it when I watched it but in the end I went, wow, he didn't cut up any actors, even fictitious ones. He mm. loves his actors. Yeah, yeah. he's he's an actors actor's love director. Him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love working I, with him. Not so kind to writers either. Uh, <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> well, maybe he's kind for them, but I I think he shows that they're misguided, and it, you know, in a lot of respects, they are. There probably are a lot of people like uh, like Vincent D'Onofrio's character who are yeah. idealist writers that are never going to make it, but and they resent the system for it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know the the thing that I really got from this, and I, I, you guys talked about the 
indictment of the the system and you know people involved. But the thing that I I really took from it that I don't I don't remember any other uh, director doing that I've heard in quite some time is indicting the audience in this. Uh, oh yeah, sure. You know he he's talked and again I he references this and I kind of wondered this too where um, you know we're talking about the the happy ending and you know mm-hmm. if people. Once the the film is screened, if the ending isn't changed, you know, basically saying audiences are complicit in this and that they want a, a happy ending, and if you go that way and do do not give them what they want in a happy ending, they might they may not buy tickets. So mm-hmm. he's kind of in, and he does reference this where he's indicting us uh, a bit. Where you know, one where we want the big movies, we want the blockbusters, we want the happy endings, um, you know, and also he appeals to journalists too not specifically in the film that you know when you're reporting on films talk about the quality of the film not so much the uh, the box office and i you know i think sure. maybe we're doing that a bit here <laughs> a little self like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know reflexivity with uh talking about a film like this that isn't necessarily a number one uh, box office hit but um that was something I, I really took away probably the number one thing from this film is just um you know he's not afraid to uh attack and you know really speak his mind and let you know what he thinks about um where what the state of the uh, the industry is and including the audience for sure because if we don't buy the tickets you know to those big movies then the ones we really want to see you know you and i might want to see uh would would be made more often yeah well the irony is this did pretty well actually yeah made, uh, made 20 million and it is regarded as a classic uh right yeah no and 20 no. million in, in 1992 yeah, I, I completely agree. You see it in all facets of entertainment. You know, people complain constantly. Oh, Kim Kardashian, blah, blah. Well, I can't blame <laughs> her at all. If nobody watched that stupid show, exactly. if nobody bought her shit and, mm-hmm. and goddamn makeup and clothing, she'd disappear. No, we're at fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, the, the, the audience yeah. at Canoga Park mm-hmm. that, uh, that, didn't you know that would never be able to sit through bicycle thieves but <laughs> right. and, and can't handle a, 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 a an ending where somebody dies even yep. if that's the most artistic and and I, I think that's also a big theme is art versus uh commerce i guess uh it, hollywood being a commodity and and it is it's a business they're they're trying to put butts in the seats mm-hmm. and i think his his speech at the uh the the celebration i you know the hypocritical nature of it is, you know, he he probably he he knows Todd Browning, he knows mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe he doesn't know Desaika, but uh, but he's definitely uh, I guess rooted in film history. Mm-hmm. But he makes he's he is a player. He makes uh, uh, probably many bad movies. He makes mo- movies that are going to sell, as he m- mentions. He needs those several key ingredients, which. I think a lot of the movies we talk about here don't have all of those or many of those. You know, they they are their own thing. Yeah, for sure. So, um, any anything else on the uh, the the Hollywood or the you know the self reflexive nature of this uh, his kind of you know filmmaking process, or should we get into that ending? Let's get into that ending. Yeah, let's get into the ending. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, obviously, you know, talking about an ending, we're going to be uh, spoiling this a bit but uh, you know the ending is a pitch um, and the, you know the interesting thing with this it's um, you know the, at the end of the the book uh, Griffin gets a letter with uh, cash and the letter so the ending is a bit different but in the film he actually gets a pitch for the film that we just watched from the uh, the 
a writer who has been harassing him who, throughout the film. And uh, if you mm-hmm. watch the supplements, you'll be able to find out who, you know, that unseen character may or may not be unseen uh-huh. uh, is. But uh, yeah, and then it, you know, it, it ends with Robin's getting the pitch. He's gotten off the uh, the murder investigation, and he drives into his uh, flowers. <laughs> <laughs> he's surrounded yeah, by Douglas so many Sorkin. flowers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And he's, uh, you know, married, happy, uh, traffic uh, was a bitch. It's just a great mm-hmm. ending and one that even Robbins came up with. I just love um, how the um, Altman is not afraid to let uh, others, you know, like actors, really contribute to his pictures. He, I, I think he really uh, does see it as a collaborative effort. So, yeah, curious what you guys think of the ending. Does it work? I, Doug? I, I, thought, I thought it was <laughs> – I thought it was really – Interesting. I, I enjoyed it personally. Um, I I just love that last shot of like you said. Mm-hmm. He, he pulls up in front of the house and there's flowers everywhere, and she runs out and she's clearly right. pregnant. And pregnant. it's just yep. it's so it's Vaseline on the lens. It almost seems dreamlike. Um, I think it's very interesting though that it is a quote unquote happy ending because I think mm-hmm. that's so subjective. I mean, he literally got away with murder. Is that a happy ending? I mean, that's because if you're somebody, and I, I knew somebody who could not watch Dexter because they hated that he's supposed to be the hero and he kills people. <laughs> like, <laughs> they couldn't get past that. If you're that type of person, he should technically pay for his crime. So is it a happy ending? It's, well, and maybe yeah. I'm approaching this from the wrong, you know, sort of angle, but I, I thought that was a mm-hmm. really interesting choice to make at the end of this in that, yes, it's a happy ending for this person who is the character we followed. It's smarmy. <laughs> yeah, isn't really a Conniving. hero. He's pretty much a dick for 90% of right. the movie. Yeah. So. You right. know, the, the scene with him, the court, courting scene with him and Skaki, Skaki, mm-hmm. Skaki, Skaki, you know, she, she talks about suffering, and of course he does confess his crimes to her uh, during the love scene. But she says that uh, you know your own suffering is pun- is punishment for a crime, mm-hmm. and if you're not suffering, well, maybe it wasn't a crime in the first place. <laughs> so I, I think uh, mm-hmm. this this could be a fantasy world, and this could be his his justification. I, I'm getting a little deep here, yeah. Uh, but the way he deals with committing this crime is uh, living a, in this fantasy world and really ignoring it. So mm-hmm. to him, it may be the the most happy ending he could uh, he could imagine. Yeah, I think it. I, I, I'm with you. I had that same kind of reaction, Doug. And you know, it's it is Mill really a, a likable character? Is he not? I mean, there are some moments where um, he does try to uh, he, he tries to admit to mm-hmm. uh, you know killing, whether it was uh, um, on purpose or not. The uh, the Vincent D'Onofrio character, and uh, I think that kind of makes us we, we do root for him a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's not really a, sure. a likable character. But yeah, I just I love that that those layers upon it because um, it just feels like Altman again. Is it is it a happy ending? Is it not? I mean, it's just something that um, Altman would pull off. And again, like I said, I love the fact that Robbins came up with it, but it feels like mm-hmm. something you know Altman would do himself, and obviously wasn't in the the book itself but uh yeah and it i I like how it kind of turns back i mean it the film includes everything that the player is talking about needs to be included in a movie and i know this is referenced with suspense laughter violence hope heart nudity sex and happy endings so you know Mm -hmm. i just i I can't imagine it 
um, ending any other way. If if you if he'd gone to jail and been caught, you know, would that have been considered a happy ending? You know, how else? Well, um, Bruce Willis you know, would have just. Uh, uh, got him out, and you know, right. assuming traffic was a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and it actually, could have ended there too. I mean, that that yeah. could have been another way. It's just to oh, end yeah. it with you know the that's movie. The, that's the an movie, ending. But, in yeah. fact, I, I my first time watching it, I think I, I expected it to end there, and it would have been perfectly fine. Yep. But then yeah. the 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 real ending, or maybe not real, is even that much more satisfying. But I, I think we yep. we should because you know they keep on planting the seeds for Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis <laughs> I, I, I like I love the actual the, you know habeas corpus is ending uh, yeah. and the way they I, I think again they're taking shots at the at the industry uh, you know at the writers even because they sold out yep. and of course to the test screenings you know us really <laughs> oh yeah for for I, writing on those little comic cards <laughs> but I got, I got to tell you as like if I were a 12, 13-year-old boy, I would watch that movie a thousand times and think it was the best thing ever. Habeas <laughs> so. Corpus? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I just love – and you mentioned it before. We didn't really get into it, but the, the you know there are some pitches during the film. But I, I think really, probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, just going back a bit, is that pitch from – that original pitch from Dean Stockwell and Richard E. Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just uh, great together, mm-hmm. you know. He's good. I told you he's good. <laughs> no stars. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and just how they, you know, they sell out at the end. It's, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like we've been saying, it's just a, again an indictment of sticking to your guns, not sticking to your guns when mm-hmm. uh, you know the the audience, the the people who are uh, paying the money uh, are really the ones who are uh, you know making the decisions. Yeah. And to make it, you have to compromise a little bit. And that's, that right. that may be yep, true. Sure. Habeas corpus may not have seen the light of day without uh, that <laughs> That that tacked on ending, yep. <laughs> and then now it's going to be a blockbuster, and and those people probably have made it because of that. So yeah, and I I yeah. just love how in the original pitch the ending is so important. The ending right. is the entire pitch. That's what the entire movie is sold upon is this yep. ending. And you're right when Peter Gallagher says, "No stars, right. just talent." But maybe I Julia thought that Roberts, was fantastic. <laughs> and then at the end, when we yeah. just randomly see Bruce Willis running down the hallway with a like, shotgun, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's great. It's, it is fun. Yeah, just uh, you know, sticking. Yeah, it's yeah, love it. So uh, we we've got to give our rating. So Doug, what did <coughs> you think of? I know this was a, a revisit for mm-hmm. you. Uh, what did you think of the player? Um. I enjoy the film. I, I I certainly wouldn't put it up there with Altman's great work. I wouldn't put it mm-hmm. up there with McCabe. I wouldn't put it up there with Three Women. I wouldn't put it up there with Nashville or even Shortcuts. I think it comes in right under those movies. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd probably give it an eight. Yep. Okay. That's that's fair. What about you, Aaron? I probably would have given it an eight when I first saw it in the nineties, but since I've seen it so many times and I just watched it twice again this week, uh I actually I'm I'm I liked it even more, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's just as relevant today as it was in '92, uh, and I, it, yeah, it has replayability. So I, I'm going to go nine. Mm-hmm. I think I think it is. Now Altman's had quite a career, but I'd say it's among his best. And I, mm-hmm. I would put Shortcuts, uh, Nashville, uh, Three Women, right along with it. Nice. And may, maybe okay. McCabe. We'll we'll see. I'm going to yeah. give that another shot. Uh, I, I definitely like Mash too. I've only seen it once. Oh Mash. yeah, Mash! I yeah. totally yeah. forgot about it. <laughs> There's I lots. Can, yeah. 
I could go either way. I mean, I was thinking nine. I was thinking eight after watching it, even as low as seven. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's it's one of the films that I like that's a grower. And the more uh, I hear about the supplements and really what Altman was going for, um, I could go up as not as high as a nine. But I'll, I'll stick with an eight. I think it is. Uh, it's not Altman's best for me. I do like his seventies work, the ones you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, the film seems a little bit messy to me at times, and I think that's kind of just the way the film was is put together. You know, it may be mm -hmm. the fact that it wasn't his original material the fact that there's so much improvisation so many people involved you know hard to kind of uh, put together but you can definitely see what he's going for and for that it's yeah. it's a rich film definitely uh, an eight so yeah yeah cool so what about the supplements? Uh, it's a pretty rich film. I talked about this on the Criterion Cast uh, Chronicles because we've got a number of supplements from previous releases. There's the 92 uh, Laserdisc release. There's the 97 Snapper Case release from um, on DVD from New Line and some new uh, supplements on here too from Criterion. Thank you. Um, Doug, uh, turn it to you. Uh, which one did you want to talk about? Uh, I, I'll focus on the Altman interview, which I, I found – really interesting because like I mentioned earlier in that he doesn't attack actors I didn't really think about it till after the film and when I watched his interview because his comment on the actors were great where he talked about how mm -hmm. they were just doing him a favor they were just showing up but some of them required time and mm, you knew yep. that Julia Roberts, she was going to require time and the days would end up running long. So in a weird yeah, way, it was great. a wonderful sort of backhanded compliment to yeah. a lot of these people that showed up to help him out. But I can totally understand that. I mean if if you just show up and you're not getting paid, you're used to a certain type of treatment, I guess. And mm -hmm. even if you're not getting paid, you probably want that type of water to reference mm -hmm. the movie. Um, <laughs> the tell. You know, yeah. So, yeah, he, so, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. The other thing that I, I love that he talked about, and, and again, something I spoke about earlier, is the fact that nobody cared if Tim Robbins got away with this. Mm -hmm. The studio didn't care. They they didn't care if he right. killed a guy. They they just didn't want any bad press. Whoopi didn't care because she knew that it was an accident. He wasn't going to leave and go on a murder spree or anything like that. Nobody really cared. It, it didn't – it's weird that what the film sort of pivoted on or was based on doesn't really matter, but it doesn't really matter. Right. It was just a writer, yeah. just a, a yep. starving writer. He's exactly. gone. And, there's, and I lived in Hollywood. There's lots of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, imagine. Or North Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. No, regarding the, the actor comment, mm -hmm. I, I think you're, you're right. That's definitely backhanded. And I think he's saying he loves actors, but yep. they can be a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, it's a nice, nice interview, and that, that one is from the uh, originally from the mm -hmm. Criterion Collection Laserdisc. So nice, yeah. nice interview. Yeah. So and what fact, about you? On that note, I, I, I do have the list of uh, uh, supplements on the Laserdisc, and uh, there's a, a video interview with Altman, Lapine, Robbins, Skaki, and Goldberg that did not make mm -hmm. it. Uh, there, there were the deleted scenes. Uh, there were the trailers. Uh, there was also 20 screenwriters discuss the player and their profession, which wasn't on this. Uh, there was the map to the stars. Of course, that was on here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then there, that was basically it. There were a couple. There was like filmography and you know, stuff that we have on IMDb today. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, I, I'm sorry. I'm, oh, yeah, the new one, <laughs> the planned improvisation documentary uh, is one that Criterion produced, and it had uh, it had a number of people. It had Tolkien, it had Robbins, uh, 
looking a lot older, a lot grayer now. Yeah. Uh, Still looks good, though. I I mean. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And I wouldn't say this is the best Criterion documentary. They've definitely been better. I think they're best when they kind of function as like a visual essay. Yeah. Whereas this is more like like one that's kind of like you could see it on a studio DVD, more behind the scenes anecdotes. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I think it said a lot about it. starts out with Robbins talking about – meeting up with Altman and Altman says, great, let's smoke a joint. Yes. <laughs> and there's a lot of references, you know, I, I, uh, Altman definitely partook. <laughs> uh, and, and I, I like that uh, one executive said, uh, let's put this movie and set it in baseball. And that was they actually seriously <laughs> attempted that, which yeah, if you if you've seen, seen the movie, it, the, the executive just didn't get it. And kind of, uh, again, the joke should be on him. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a good documentary. I think it's about forty-five minutes or so, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, no, so I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's good. I, I like that we saw Stephen Altman too, his brother, who's the pr- production designer. Right. Some nice mm-hmm. insight from him with you know about like you said, um, Altman smoking a joint and then playing with his Tonka trucks to come up with that opening shot. Right. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Oh, and of course, the title "Planned in- Improvisation" is how he operates. He he lets his actors do their thing and once right. they get something he loves he keeps it uh so the quote was it's so choreographed but couldn't feel more naturalistic so it's it's a little of both and i think he's he's probably actually he's probably done that his whole career and he's uh, very accomplished at that yeah agreed so i just wanted to mention the uh, as a supplement the commentary um you know uh, criterion was the first company to come out with commentary, so it makes sense that you know when they included it on the Laserdisc 1992, that they included it on the Blu-ray. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's lovely. It's one I've actually kind of had on the background uh, more than once. It features director uh, Robert Altman, of course, the writer Michael Tonkin, and then the cinematographer Jean Lapine. Uh, the interesting thing with this one is that they aren't talking to each other. I, I'm pretty sure right. that they really recorded each of the tracks separately, which isn't a surprise. I haven't heard a lot of old commentaries, and I just wonder if that's the way it was done. But um, you kind of get that uh, overall um, narration, really, by someone who kind of introduces who's speaking at the time periodically mm-hmm. so you can kind of uh, understand uh, the voices. Excuse me. Mark? Herney. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one. We should have done that from the beginning. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I I really enjoy it. I mean, it talks about how you know Tolkien uh, Tolkien's experience. I keep wanting to call him uh, you know J R. No relation. How, yeah. Not at all. Spelled differently. How mm-hmm. he was in Hollywood for six years. You know, just trying to decide if he's ready to to kind of move on. But uh, I and he kind of he. It, talks about himself too where he he's like you know as much of the crap that comes out of hollywood is my fault as a writer you know saying writer's fault Mm -hmm. as any uh executive so you know because films typically do start with pitches right and movies Mm so i thought that was uh interesting and they he talked about the uh, how every actor had a a radio controlled microphone uh to pick up the the sound mix which is it's nice to hear that you know so you can kind of understand the, the process for Altman because he does he's known for all this overlapping dialogue you know how he he puts that together and you know how uh, talked about how Whoopi called Altman to to be in the film and he he really he, he talks about the how the film itself is um, almost not real you know some of the characters aren't real mm-hmm. uh, really in this film they're just um, you know just um, you know composites uh, really of a of, of a character that you might uh, 
think of really you know like the the perfect woman so and you know the the scene with the snake is is something that only happens in the movies which is really the point really to what <laughs> Doug was saying I think too mm-hmm. so yeah it's a fun listen I I think you could listen to it similar with the can uh, interview I think I could listen to Altman talk about movies and his process uh, forever so you know something fun to listen to in the background well, one thing I noticed is that uh, there's also two commentary tracks on the tracking shot, mm-hmm. and I watched both of those yeah. before watching this commentary, and I noticed that they chopped up parts of that and put them in different spots, so they didn't correlate exactly with the shot. So, I, And I think this is was common with early commentaries. They would take a lot of statements, and so they're, they're not always commenting on exactly what's happening. Although Altman, a lot of times, he you can he's just commenting on the plot too and I, actually I thought that was when it was least interesting was some some of his his moments but uh, right. but no I, there are a lot of uh, actual director commentaries in, in the early days too um, just yeah. this a lot, of, lot like this as well yeah, I, I thought it was interesting with the the trailers too. The Japanese trailer had a lot of uh, swear words in it <laughs> not the US trailer <laughs> that was fun so yeah, so I mean, overall, we we give a Criterion rating. Doug, what would you give the player as a, a package? Do we do we give point five ratings or do we just sure, go solid sure. numbers? Yeah, okay, yeah. because I I would give it an eight point five. Then I, I think the movie's an eight. I think with the supplements, it's a nine. There are a lot of supplements here, um, Aaron. I I really do wish that they had brought over that writer supplement though. I would love yeah. to see that. I would yeah. love to hear that. Um, but I, I think it's it's a good bunch of supplements. It's a good package. Uh, Eight point five. Nice. Aaron, yeah, what'd you think? I probably I probably did see that writer supplement, I, but I I forgotten it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, no. I I do remember that. I did see that, and it was good. Uh, it is a stacked release, and maybe, maybe they remove that to make room for the new documentary, which of course takes mm-hmm. up more room, uh, being a longer documentary. Uh, but a lot of the, the material is older. I like when they do new interviews, and a lot of these people are still around, even though they're, a lot of them are on the documentary. So, but I, I still – it has the old commentary, so I'd, I'd still give it a 9. Hmm. Yeah, I'm there with you. I'd, I'd give it a 9. It could almost go 9.5. I just like hmm. the the variety, deleted scenes in this. Um, the um, I, I think I'd mentioned before I loved how the – um, was it Maps to the Stars is just the best use of a gallery that I've yeah. seen where you, you know you see who was in the film and who wasn't um, it's just uh, just beautiful so yeah and that I was could the go. only gallery that poured it over to right oh, which yeah. I think they should that's yeah, yeah. it's important important mm-hmm. to the film the only so, one yeah. that should be yeah good uh, good release uh, certainly one of my favorites uh, from the the month of uh, of May when, when this was released yeah. so um, Aaron is this canon worthy uh, well, I would say yes, but I have a feeling you're going to say no. So I'll say hmm. yes minus. <laughs> wow. See, I was I was going, okay, well, we might be inducting this one, Aaron, because I was going to go with whatever you said. And the reason really? the reason for it, yeah, because Just I could go. Just deferring to Aaron? Nice. I'm deferring to Aaron. A- am I the studio boss here? <laughs> you are the studio boss. I, I don't know. I, I, could right. go, I could go either way on this one. I kept thinking, well, maybe it should be Nashville. Maybe it should be McKay. But I think for late Altman, this is definitely, this is his best stuff uh, from this this era. Although, I mean, I haven't seen Shortcuts yet. Shortcuts uh, is his oh, best stuff, in, in my opinion. Shortcuts is the best. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, uh, the best of this era, All right, era, well, yeah. we got our happy ending then. Yep. <laughs> and, and Doug, what do you think? Do you, are you with us or no? I, I wouldn't have, but that's just me. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you're outvoted. That's right. <laughs> See you guys. But fun. We'll see him on Plaincast. That's right. Uh, no, it's it's worthy, and I, I know when we get to some other Altman films, we'll be inducting some more. But he, he's an important uh, Criterion director. Um, so it's uh, I, I I love the fact that I'm, I'm certainly a fan of films from the '70s, and it's nice to have him. He won't call it a comeback, but uh, come mm-hmm. back to something like this in the late '90s. So good good film. It's yeah. worthy. Yeah. yeah. So. Good job, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> You're promoted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I deferred to you. So, uh, well, that is Criterion Close-Up talking about uh, Robert Altman's The Player. Uh, we wanted to thank everyone for listening. We would love some additional iTunes reviews. Tell a friend. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, and uh, you know, keep it coming. Email us at feedback yeah. at criterioncloseup.com. Send us a tweet. Send a, a message. Post on our Facebook page uh facebook slash criterion close up we just love to hear what you think what you uh, if there's anything you don't like you know let us know that too in a you know kind way <laughs> so <laughs> yeah and uh we uh folks we wanted to again thank doug for coming on the show doug oh. mccambridge a third time guest it's a pleasure to have you on yes. we really love talking to you mister so yes oh, doug. thank you guys i i, I certainly yeah. appreciate it anytime you want me to come on and give a film a lower rating than you two do? <laughs> Just bring me back. I'm okay with that. You'll bring us down to reality. <laughs> Code Unknown and now the player. We were all well, on board. I think we all gave 12, eight, angry 12 men. Angry, angry Men 10. So. Yeah. All right. we, we always have that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, Good Times, Great Movies. What have you guys uh, got upcoming? So uh, Good Times, Great Movies, that's a podcast that's actually happening currently on like playing cards um (laughs) my partner and i we revisit films from the 80s and have a more light take on them so if you're looking for something a little more humorous and a lot less serious than than a lot of the criterion podcasts um currently uh, i think our most recent episode is the very very cheesy slasher film sleepaway camp which was so (laughs) much fun and next week or actually, when, when this comes out, our most current episode is Top Gun, which, Ooh. oh my god, I had forgotten how insane that movie is. So mm-hmm. we run nice. the gamut on that podcast. We have a lot of fun. So good times, nice. great movies. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, listen, see if it's something uh-huh. you're into. All right, Ice Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, well scanners. I mean, that's scanners. In the, in the David Blakesley came on yeah. for that one as right. well. Yeah, right. that was great. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. that was a lot of fun. So Purple Rain, you know, to of course with the passing of of Prince and mm-hmm. uh, well, hey, uh, everyone's uh, maybe second favorite, maybe Star Trek film, The Voyage Home. So yeah, good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we good, did good we did Purple Rain and Labyrinth, and it was just so sad when. David mm. Bowie and Prince yeah. passed. Mm-hmm. L- literally, our listeners were writing us saying, please do not do any more films that <laughs> right. star a musician. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2016. It's It's been rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a rough year. Yeah. Lost some good ones. But yeah. again, thank you guys so much for having me on, and, and I'll come yeah. back anytime. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, so we love having you. Where can folks find you, Doug? Uh, they can follow the podcast. Nobody needs to follow me. Uh, <laughs> you can find it on Facebook, Good Times, Great Movies. Uh, on Twitter, it's at GTGMcast. And Plaincast, like I said, Plaincast does have a Facebook page. And Twitter, it is at Plain Archive Pod. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah, Doug's a great follow. Definitely follow Doug. Thank you again, Doug. 
And uh, we, you know, you folks can find the show Criterion Close Up at Criterion CU, and I've already mentioned some other places. Uh, Aaron, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, a West five hundred five. Uh, but I'd like to make, mention a couple podcasts if you don't mind. Uh, one is not mine. Uh, there's a new podcast by uh, Patrick and crap, I forget the other guy about Zadowichi. Uh, called the blind swordsman, or I'm sorry, the blind podsman, and I, and of course, Doug, you did uh, Zadowichi Fridays mm-hmm. for a while, but they're yeah. going through the series one at a time, and I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. That's cool. And we'll be covering the box set in a couple months, so uh, I'll be listening to that uh, with uh, pleasure. Um, and also, I appeared on a another wrong reel episode. Uh, this one was about Game of Thrones, of all things. Uh, so that was uh, after the season finale uh, this past Monday. We recorded. Should I stick my fingers in my ears right now? Go yeah. la 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 because I haven't watched any of this current season. <laughs> well, yeah, since I actually haven't recorded it yet, so okay. I'm not going to spoil the finale for you. But we're going to talk about the entire series, or we did talk about the entire series, the books, the uh, the season. So uh, it's. It, it's it was and will be a lot of fun. <laughs> nice, sounds great. Uh, and and great. Twitter a west five hundred five. Nice. Yeah, Wrong Reels a great uh, uh, mm-hmm. listen and oh, yeah. uh, promoter of ours. We just love interacting with them. So thanks, guys. And they've been very so, prolific lately. Pumping yeah. them out. Good job, Incredible. James. Mm-hmm. Yep. James is the man. So and folks can uh, you know. F- uh, Find us uh, on, well, as already mentioned, on Twitter. And we just wanted to plug uh, our next show will be A Brighter Summer Day. We'll have a special guest for that. So Edward Yang, we'd be remiss if we didn't cover that one. Looking forward to that. So It'll be a good day. Yes, Brighter Summer Day. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Criterion Close-Up. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joel. Did you have another drink? I'd like to extend my thanks to the patrons of the Los Angeles County Museum. You have long fostered the art of motion pictures as a serious and valuable art form in this community. Many people across the country and around the world have for too long thought of movies as a popular entertainment more than serious art. And I'm afraid a large majority of the press supports this attitude. We want great films with long shelf lives. We want the films of the new John Houstons, Orson Welles, Frank Capra. We and the other major film studios have a responsibility to the public to maintain the art of motion pictures as our primary mandate. Movies are art, now more than ever. Thank you.